Thank you for joining us. This is Paul Wilson. And Chris Emke. And you're listening to the Diesel Performance Podcast. Uh, Chris, we we have some surprising news. And, and I guess I shouldn't say surprising. We have some really exciting news. Now, generally, since I'm on the marketing side of Duramax Tuner and Calibrated Power, mm-hmm. I try to hold back any like really exciting news so that we can do it like through the company in yeah. proper channels. Uh, but this one... Man, I was just light on news for the show, so I thought I'd just I'd just drop a bombshell here today. Uh, you want to tell our listeners what I'm what I'm alluding to here? Yeah, you know, so uh, you know, anyone that knows the the brand Calibrated Power, you know, we do a lot of R and D before we go live with a product, um, and there's been a lot of requests. It's becoming more and more with uh, some other companies offering support now, but that's on the 2019 Cummins. Um, we we do have uh, a test truck. We have access to a couple actually, so a couple yep. different configurations. The stock output with a 68, the high output with an ASIN, you know, the dually for that matter. Um, and we're we're going through we're going through the paces, man. Um, our hopes are, you know, in upcoming weeks up to a month, we'll be live with a product. What I want to talk about a little bit is how that R and D process works for us. Sure. Okay? We don't chase a power number. Okay, so when guys are calling in asking, you know, and I'm telling them like, yeah, you know, we have trucks, we're tuning them. What kind of power are you seeing? Well, I don't know. Well, what do you mean? Well, we haven't put the truck on the dyno yet. Well, then what are you guys doing? Well, we're editing the files (laughs) and we're 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 doing what feels right. But there's no quirks in the drivability. Once we have the drivability down pat, then we get the truck on the dyno and we back up the different tunes with a, a power output. Also, I, I love the term chasing, like chasing a horsepower number yeah. because it kind of implies that you started the process with a number in your head and you're chasing that number. Yeah. That is not how R&D works. No. Uh, R&D works as in we go and strap the truck down once all the drivability's worked out and we have, mm-hmm. have something that we're really happy with how it feels and we know that it makes more power because we understand yep. we added boost fuel and timing, right? Um, but then we sit down and now we're finding physical limiters. Yep. So it's it's never saying, oh, we need to make six hundred horsepower. Yep. It's saying may what is the limiter yeah. we're leaning against right now yeah. and what is the solution for that. Yeah, once just... once the limiter is no longer anything calibration related. In other words, once we're up to the physical limits of the truck, that's it. That's the peak power. There is no there is no want. Yeah. There is no chase. And it, I mean, it is. you know, there's, you know, torque limiters and things like that, that we might have to overcome in the map. That's something that comes over time. Yeah, well, but there's also when you talk about the emissions, there's all, a lot of different ways of tuning these trucks. Sure. But anyone can go and turn up the fuel rate on the truck and go make power and then, you know, uh, advertise a product. But when you talk about uh, the severity of, you know, regen, you know, uh, frequencies in um, soot load, soot production, you know, that that exhaust gas going into the DPF, which ultimately makes that truck regen less or more frequently, th- that's what we're after. And that's one of those uh, scenarios with drivability or just the overall characteristics of the calibration itself. Right. So, you know, we've tried to bring everything together. We're really excited. Um, you know, we've been working with a, a couple different tune hardware softwares. Um, so I think it'll be a really big splash, you know, going uh, into 2020, you know, with offering a new platform with new support. Um, it'll go right in line. You know, we have the Ford support through 2019 and then the L5P, you know, we offer support through the 20s. So sure. uh, it's it stinks that this is the last one, but this is also like <laughs> the biggest change. Um 2024 a little different yeah. of a story so you know we're excited it's a really nice truck i mean you get in our 19 dually that we have and you get in there the engine operation's a lot quieter like there's a lot of refined things that before that truck went to market that i would read about um 
that's sure, like, even oh, just talking to Rod right, Romaine right, about exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it's you know you hear all these things and you expect certain things, but then once you're in the seat, even of a stock truck, and you hear it idle, and you you just take it for its first initial drive, you're like, man, these are a lot more refined than what a what a what a, a 13 to 18 truck was and we thought those were so refined yeah. so remember 15 when they redid the interiors yeah. and we're like oh they're finally nice again yeah and, yeah and, and now it's it's a, it's it's a, whole, a whole new, new vehicle. yeah but it's just not even the interior it's just the operation man yeah. just the truck in general so really excited to see what kind of numbers we make on it you know yeah. in all honesty so it'll be cool Absolutely. And guys, if you want to go and hear more about all of the engineering changes that went into that 2019 model, we did do an episode with Chief Engineer of Ram Trucks, yep, Rod, Rod Romaine. Romaine. Go back and listen to that episode on the feed, and I think you guys will have a lot of cool stuff to learn about. God, we talked about NVH noise, vibration, harshness yep. for a long time with him. And you could tell, like, he, <laughs> getting in one of those trucks, he backs up everything he talks yeah. about in that interview. So. It was no bullshit, for sure. Uh, hey, guys, Calibrated Power, home of Duramax Tuner. That's where Chris and I and Justin work. Um, one of the products we're talking about this month, all the way through the month, is the VVT Stealth 67 G2 Turbo. This is a drop-in turbo for your 6.6 liter Duramax from 2004 and a half until 2010. So that's your LLY, your LBZ, your LMM. The turbo's completely stock appearing, although it is capable of up to 800 rear wheel horsepower. Chris, what do you think the number one question I get on that turbo is? How's it spool? How's it spool? Absolutely correct. Um, one of the really unique things about this turbo is that it has a custom vein and custom unison ring pack. So the the function of the exhaust housing and the turbine wheel are to drive spool up of your turbo. Yep. That's how it works. Uh, we went in and redesigned all of the components that are included there to get you the fastest possible spool up while giving you the most amount of peak horsepower. That's how we ended up with a 67 G2. They're awesome turbos. They're direct bolt-ons. They're stock appearing. That means it's an easy install or as easy as the install can be. Um, and it means that that you can literally fly under the radar with a Stealth 67 G2. God, I, think, I love that tagline. Yeah, yeah. I think to tag on that just a little bit here, um, it, it's a turbo that you can grow into too. So when you talk about spool up and things like that, yep. guys always be like, well, I have stock injectors. I won't be able to put bigger injectors in the truck for some time. And, you know, how's spool going to be? The spooling up is all dictated on the exhaust side of the turbocharger. Thank Fueling you. Is Injector be size does just, not impact spool no, up. Not spool up, it's just going to drive the charger. So. Yep. Guys, if you have any questions, look over on the you know DuramaxTuner.com's new website. New website. Or you could uh, shoot me an email, cmkey at DuramaxTuner.com, or you could reach me direct, uh, 815-568-7920, extension 2121. And you should do that. Um, all right. Guys, uh, you already know from downloading the episode today, we actually pulled the topic off of Diesel Tuner's blog. That's a blog that uh, Justin Tyson and myself work on articles for. Um this is our most read, most commented on, most responded to, most downloaded article of all of 2019. Yeah. Um, it, it is a topic that I think just the title sends a shiver up some guy's spines, and it is good way and bad way. Too. It is a title, yeah, yeah absolutely that that. That could be great or terrible. Uh, so it's it's don't delete your Power Stroke DPF, and and Justin, I believe, uh, wrote this article. Um, because we, we had had a very long discussion about what are people searching when, when they before they go and delete their truck, 
right? Like, hey, man, if you're searching P codes because your truck's out of warranty and your emissions equipment has failed and the dealership told you it's going to be thousands of dollars to return your emissions equipment to working and you're in a state that doesn't have any emissions laws, hey, guys, this info is probably not for you. Right. Uh, We know that. We know that up front. We know that this isn't for everyone, but this does apply to a lot of owners that are out there. Well, I think with an episode like this and the quality of content and some of the other episodes that we've done, um, this might not be an interest to every one of our listeners now or future listeners, but this is going to be something that people are going to want to listen to maybe down the road. Yeah. Um, I got a phone with a gentleman today uh, from the great state of Kentucky. And Kentucky is one of those states where you don't hear a lot about like emissions enforced laws. And he, he exactly that. He's like, hey, I have a 2011 Cummins. I've had the emissions off. They're becoming more strict. I'm putting the emissions back on. Been following you guys for a long time. Had a bunch of questions to ask. So, yeah, you might be in a state where it's not an enforced thing now, but you don't know what a year or two from now. And this isn't one of those scare tactics where it's like, oh, my God, oh, my God. No, but, but factually, there has never been a county that I have found in all of the United States that has reduced emissions standards or reduced the amount of emissions enforcement. Right. None. Everybody has continued to increase activity. So let's dive into it. Uh, Number one misconception. Number one reason I feel you should not delete your DPF. The DPF does not, does not restrict your horsepower. Now, let's be more broad with this one, Paul. I'm not saying that a factory DPF is going to support 1,000 horsepower. Not, okay. Not, it won't. But for most most people that I work that we have the luxury of, of working with and talking to, a tune only, maybe a slight turbo upgrade, you know, picking up a couple hundred horsepower, the factory DPF is not restricting us to do so. And we, we have tons of data to back that up. There's many other hard parts that are going to restrict you before the DPF. Yes. And even when we have tested similar setups up to say that like 650, 700 horsepower yep. mark with and without emissions equipment, guess what? The DPF wasn't the problem. Yep. Uh, for tune only trucks, which is the largest majority of diesel trucks out there, we actually make within three three to five percent of the same horsepower tuned and not tuned. Yeah. Uh, or I'm, I'm sorry, deleted and not deleted as long as they're running a similar tune. Well, it, I always tell guys, you know, I always throw that, that power variance of about 10 horsepower. Anyone that's ever had the luxury of spending time on a dyno or buying a dyno and they've seen the same truck run back-to-back numbers, they're within a couple horsepower. You're never going to make 500 on the dot, 500 on the dot, 500 on the dot. You'll make a 495, you'll make a 504, you might make a 508. You're going to be within a couple horsepower. So when you see that in an admissions on emissions off scenario, how are you going to say, oh, well, the truck, you know, deleted made, you know, that that same power because you back it up with a round of. Uh, it's so of funny you say this, Chris, because we actually had a 2015 in-house that was deleted uh, with a Warhammer. I'm not familiar with okay. with that delete tuner out there, but it was the it was the, the Warhammer. It was their biggest tune. They're they're rated at 200 plus horsepower tune. Uh Dynode 474 to the rear wheels. We flipped it onto some custom tuning. We made 480. Yeah. So right back to back with emissions equipment, putting it back on the truck and running a custom tune, we actually came up and over what the deleted horsepower was on that truck. Just again proving there's more to do with your tuning than there is to do with your 
your actual power. In other words, if we as a company wanted to make the same horsepower with the emissions equipment on, we could. We would just probably have to sacrifice longevity, right? Right. So, so we won't do that. But, but it is possible. Uh, the overall point here is tuning is what makes your horsepower. Uh, and speaking of that, Chris, okay. you want to hit number two? So deleting your DPF will not get you better fuel economy. This is a this 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 piggybacks right onto you know the number one reason. Um, a lot of times, guys have that mixed uh, misperception, if you will, that you delete the truck, you gain fuel mileage. Sure. Well, let me give you the example, Chris, because I've I've taken this call so many times. Chris, my truck got fourteen miles to the gallon stock. I deleted it. And now I get 18 miles to the gallon. Deleting my truck gained me four miles to the gallon. So what a lot of guys overlook is you didn't just delete the truck. You added a power uprate to the vehicle. Boom. By uprating the horsepower, you are also uprating the torque. As you uprate the torque, you are broadening the power band that the truck operates under. In doing so, it allows the truck to use less fuel to get to that desired vehicle speed if you're driving the truck properly if you're beating the truck completely different scenario also gives you more power it does down low yep. which means you can get up into a higher gear and operate at a lower Correct. rpm that, so anytime that, we can shift less up throttle fuel, back yep, that's the less fuel being consumed we're use less fuel so Boom. when guys um and and again if you have like a failed dpf or a failed egr a little different of a story guys please that, i don't want to get in that argument if everything is running properly but Nonetheless, if if you run the truck in that scenario, it's it's not that the delete that gained the mileage; it was the up rate that gained you the mileage. But Chris, during regen for my truck to regen, it sprays fuel under the exhaust. That's yeah, it's wasting fuel. Right, uh, just like the truck doses more fuel uh, in the cylinder when it's trying to get the operating temp. So I mean, there's all these different arguments that we can talk about. Um, yes, the truck does dose fuel. Okay, um, I look at I always use a real world scenario. My my personal truck. Okay, I have buddies with deleted six seven. I mean, I'm not going to lie about it. Sure. Um, we get the same mileage. Like We're, we're right in line. Um, and I have you know, EGR DPF still on mine. I've heard some crazy, crazy theories where, oh, during regen, your truck will dose two, uh, two gallons of fuel huh. in, in, into the engine and huh. into the ninth injector. Like, do not you, true. Do you know how much two, two gallons of fuel is? Not like, true. that is just, that is just uh, ridiculous. So. In tuning, right, especially with the emissions on, you try to clean up some of that air fuel, you know, to help prolong some of the regen cycles, which is also going to help with dosing of the fuel. Right. So it all comes full circle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that that is uh, incorrect. If you can upgrade the <laughs> truck's power, um, then you are gaining on efficiency. That's going to gain you the mileage. 100% correct, man. Uh, hey, number three, emissions equipment is more reliable now than when it first came out. So in 2007 and a half, there's federal man, uh, mandated. All of the, the OEMs had to have a DPF on their their pickup trucks. Yeah. Uh, so if you wanted a diesel, had to have a DPF. And uh, we had all been dealing with EGRs for four or five years at this point. Um, well, I suppose not the Cummins guys, but whatever. Everybody else been dealing with EGRs. So, so when DPFs came out, they weren't ready. That's just the reality of it. Like I use, I know Duramax is very well. I know we're doing a power stroke thing today, but I know Duramax is very well in the size the soot load capacity of an LMM, the 2007 and a half, 
was nothing. And and I know it was the same on the 6.4s. It was a very, very small particulate trap. So it held a lot less soot. So it was constantly going into regen. And that's one of the many reasons that that early level of emissions equipment just failed. And it failed on the 6.4s. It failed on the, the early 6.7s. It failed on the 6.6s. And it failed on everybody else's equipment because it was first-generation technology. But catalytic converters were first-generation technology at some point. Your mom and dad probably cut theirs off their car at some point but now you can go buy a hellcat and run nines at the track with a catalytic converter technology gets better things improve these oems they don't want to shell out the money for for warranty claims they don't want to shell out the money to repair your stuff and they sure as hell don't want you to hate their vehicles they have every every vested interest on earth to not only make this work but to make this reliable and we're starting to see those improvements chris i mean you you throw in a uh, an 07, 08 LMM Duramax, right? Or you no, know, we're sticking the Fords here, so we're we're gonna stay on that yeah. topic. You go look at a 08 Ford, six uh, four Power Stroke, tons of EGR issues, tons of DPF issues. It's gonna be very rare for you to find one of those trucks in this day and age with the uh, the emissions still on it. Well, fast forward to today. You get yourself a, a newer, a newer six seven. Okay, you take an eleven to fourteen year model truck. You don't really hear about a ton of. I mean, there's guys out there that are going to have issues. Okay, yeah. but you're not hearing about specific EGR codes or EGR failures. You're going to hear about maybe DEF sensor codes, DEF heater codes, maybe an NOX code or a turbo failure. Or you have an EGR and DPF failure because you had a turbo failure and you didn't see the turbo failure. Now all these things are an issue. Sure, that's very common. You get into the fifteen and newer trucks. There's always going to be those finicky things that's a moving park, guys. We get that. But you're not hearing about those EGR and DPF codes. You're hearing maybe more of like maybe a DEF heater again or something along those yeah, lines. NOX sensor or something, but yeah. these emission standards or these emission requirements started in 08 for, for Ford, okay? Yep. So 08, 09, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Now you get into these 15s where they're a little bit more of a robust emissions but they had how many years of trial and error selling hundreds and thousands of trucks to be able to say, okay, this is where this improvement needs to take place. Okay, this is where this improvement needs to take place. And it's allowed us to gain the momentum, right, when we talk about these newer platforms, to make the power and keep it reliable because the OEM offers us a platform that's robust. Yeah, yeah. And and, and we're seeing that become true. And we're going to get a little bit more in-depth into the difference between the 11 to 14s and the 15 plus on the emissions equipment specifically. What we're seeing is that they're making updates to trucks, not even necessarily once we go through massive model changes, mm-hmm. but just as we go on throughout the years, there's yeah. just some slight improvements that, are, that they're going to continue to do. Uh, number four, Chris, I know it's legal ramifications. Break it down for the listeners. What does that potentially mean? Well, I think there's a couple things there. You know, depending on who's doing the work, you have that side of the legality to consider. Um, Depending on where you're at, uh, you know, where you're located, whether, you know, U.S., Canada, you know, those are probably the two areas that we're talking about. Um, There's a potential for... uh, it to be enforced on the end user driving on you know public roads and things like that. Sure. Again, guys, not a scare tactic. I've heard of this. Like we have the luxury of talking to guys I all have, over the country. I have reports in California, Nevada, and Maine. Right off the top of my head, that yeah. I personally have taken phone calls and talked to people I've heard who have New received York, tickets. Uh, the city of New York being close to the city, I've yep. heard it. Um, it's a big thing up in Ontario, Canada, yeah, for an example. Real big right now. Um, you know, in uh, in Ontario, you know, they they enforce and go after end users to the point where they pull the truck off off the roads, pull your plates. You have to, you know, 
go through these. Uh, you have to get it towed, fix yep. it, prove it's fixed, and then you can get yep. your plates pay, back pay your after fine. you paid your fine. Yep, yep, yep. So yeah. there's a lot of different things there. And just, again, just pause on that real fast. Just th- think about why a, a local municipality or pr- provincial police would be interested in something like that because now they're collecting dollars and they're collecting revenue as opposed to the federal government collecting yep. it on the major companies when the EPA whacks them. Now, your local speed trap town down the street, now they have another reason to pull somebody over and yep. write them a ticket. There, there's a financial incentive to this. You have to, again, this isn't a political stance This is or a scare tactic. This is just you have to be realistic about what are the motivations and what's, what's possible. Yep. And this is possible. Well, I think that brings us right into number five. Absolutely. Resale value. Hey, man, a lot of places I know, this won't matter. No. Just flat out, I mean, this won't matter. A lot of places will still take your truck in if it's been deleted. But, again, growing, just like we're, we're seeing more and more counties enforce emissions regulations at a local level, we're seeing more and more dealerships refuse deleted trucks on trade. Right. Uh, that As you shrink that market... That hurts your resale value. Yeah. Okay, I mean, like see, that, that's how it works. You see a lot of. Uh, I would think now, you know, in the year of 2020, it's a little different than in 2018, 17, 16, so on and so forth. But what what you run into is uh, knowledge for these car salesmen, right, and the people yep. that work on these vehicles at a dealer to the point where I've seen I've seen firsthand. I know buddies that work at dealers. They've taken a truck and on trade realized legally they can't sell that truck. Truck goes to auction. It, it happens. Yeah. So, you know, it's one of those things where a lot of times when I'm on the phone with guys, they'll be like, well, I'm going to sell the truck private party. Okay, awesome. Like, th- that's good. You're going to make most of your money back anyways. That way you're not going to take it on a trade. We always suggest doing that. Yes. Of course. But it, for the guy, you know, that might consider or every few years he buys another truck as time progresses and as the EPA becomes more in tune with, you know, what they're enforcing – that side of things of unloading a truck is going to be a lot more difficult. That's right. Yeah, it's not going to get easier, that's for sure. Um, hey, guys, speaking of somebody who does make my life easy, though, is WC Fab. Uh, Jason Worley, Ryan Worley, the whole crew over there at WC Fab, they make our lives easy by making great parts that fit every time. Yeah. Uh, when we got a high flow bundle kit when we get anything from from WC Fab we don't have to go in and, and mock it up and then decide okay modified. what needs to be tweaked what yeah. needs to be modified we know we can take this out to the truck we can install it and we're going to get that same great fitment and that same great final look and that same great performance consistently time and time again and that's why we we're always working with Jason and the crew I think what's what what's nice to you know piggy piggyback on that is not only is the is the fit good but the finish yeah you know you with all it. the different powder coat options and things like that because the last thing I would want to do is bust one of their products out of a box and have to cut hack and weld and you know take a hammer to something to get it to clear with how beautiful some not of their, my gold all sparkle their flake stuff. exactly fuck you I mean there'll be some more flake in that thing it's just gonna be <laughs> You know, and then another brand, you know, we, we can't think enough Exergy Performance. You know, they offer top tier common rail injectors, injector pumps and other fuel components like relief valves, fuel lines, um, FCAs, regulators, things like that. So, you know, if you're ever looking or thinking about upgrading your injectors on your newer Power Stroke, your Duramax, your, you know, O3 or newer Cummins uh, pump injectors or you know, other accessories, you know, be on the lookout for them. They'll be glad to help. Give us a shout. We'll be glad to help with that as well. Absolutely. Guys, uh, I've had a few people ask me personally lately, how can we help support Diesel Performance Podcast? A great way to do that. 
purchase products from our sponsors, Duramax yeah. Tuner, Calibrated Power, Exergy Performance, WC Fab. Also, feel free to shoot those guys a message or make a post and tag those guys in it. Let them know, hey, we're a fan of the show. Keep these guys alive. Keep them on the air so we can keep listening. Um, Chris, I know as we talk about deleting the emissions equipment, one of the things I think people are really light on the knowledge end of is how this emissions equipment works. I think, yeah, as as we're going to get into this, I'm going to kind of throw something into the mix, too, that's a common misperception. But what is the setup of an exhaust? If you're talking, you know, 6-7 power stroke, what are the uh, the did steps? You, did you know it's different per truck, like per OEI? Oh yeah, like when, when emissions first came out and, like, we really started to get into the LMLs, I just assumed all after – after or exhaust after treatment systems worked in the same order because I was like, well, injectors and turbos all work in the same order. It doesn't matter who's making it, right? Like they all functionally work the same way. That's not how emissions equipment works. Each OEM has their own setup, their own design, their own spacing, their own parts. Um, And they all work, right? At the end of the day, they have to meet federal tailpipe emission standards. So what actually goes into the atmosphere? for the pickups and for the cabin chassis, the there are world. some slight differences on the yep. power strokes. Yep. Yep. Uh, so we're talking specifically about the 6.7 liter, the 11 uh, to 19 models, or 11 to, I don't know if 20s are out yet for the Ford. Yeah, they are. Uh, right, okay. Um, okay, so we're going to come out of the downpipe of the turbo on a pickup truck or on a cabin chassis, and we're going to go into a DOC. Okay. They're then different after that. <laughs> so <laughs> on the pickup truck, it goes from the DOC, which which is a, a big heat box. Yep. This is what superheats. So as you dose fuel into the exhaust, uh, whether through a ninth injector, which these do not have. These have a leak down, so these actually spray extra fuel into the combustion cycle yep. during the downstroke. Uh, that, that fuel then travels down. It heats up the exhaust. It hits the DOC. The DOC superheats and flows into the SCR. Yep. SCR, this is selective catalyst uh, selective catalyst reduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm fairly certain of that as, as I scroll furiously through my notes to try to find the answer, folks. Uh, yes, yeah, selective catalyst reduction, but code for DEF. This is where the DEF is sprayed. Your urea, your blue stuff, your ad blue, that's the SCR. So that's going to spray in. And then on a pickup truck, the exhaust is going to flow from the SCR with the DEF added, and it's going to go into the DPF. The DPF is our diesel particulate filter. This is the closed filter that's actually going to collect all of the smoke, so all of the actual soot that's coming out through the exhaust. Uh, From there, it'll flow through a muffler and then out the tailpipe. Some of the other trucks don't have mufflers. Their DPF is the muffler. Um, The cabin chassis, they rearrange the DPF and the SCR order. So, So on a cabin chassis, it goes from the turbo downpipe into the DOC, and the DOC is mated essentially to the DPF DPF. out of there it'll go into the SCR and then out of the muffler I would assume without having actual knowledge I would assume this is a packaging issue between cabin chassis and pickups well what I and that kind of leads me into something that I talk to a lot about with guys and that is man my truck regens all the time because I'm constantly going through DEF fluid the, the truck uh, isn't dosing DEF when it's going into a regen. Uh, two different scenarios there. Two two different functions. Okay. Yep. So, so th- and that's a really good point, Chris. Okay. So, your entire emissions equipment is around two basic concepts. One, we need to collect the soot so soot doesn't go out the tailpipe. Yep. And two, we need to limit the amount of NOx, uh, nitrous oxides, not to be 
mistaken for nitrous oxide, but nitrous oxides, um, it, it's refers to the compounds nitrogen dioxide and nitric acid. Nitrous oxides are produced when combustion occurs in the existence of nitrogen, or in other words, in Earth's atmosphere. So anytime we're combusting something in the atmosphere, we're going to get NOx. Um, the NOx can be very harmful. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole politics about whether or not climate change is real. I will just say, according to the World Health Organization, this stuff's real. That's what we're going with. Uh, so that's what they're trying to combat. Now, what combats NOx is not your diesel particulate filter. Right. What combats NOx are two things, EGR and DEF. Uh, so your EGR, your exhaust gas recirculation system, which is before the turbo, yep. actually before, after and before combustion, yep. um, that EGR is there to to dramatically reduce the NOx. Uh, and, and, it, and it works. We don't even have EGRs just specific to diesels. Mm -hmm. A lot of cars have EGRs yep. on them. Uh, what it does is it, it pulls exhaust which is inert gas because inert gas is simply gas without oxygen in it. So when you burn fuel in the combustion cycle, it burns all the oxygen out of that chamber and then it pushes the gas, the exhaust into the, the exhaust pipe mm -hmm. essentially. Uh, the EGR snakes some of that and repacks some of that inert gas in with new fresh oxygen. And that actually lowers uh, cylinder pressures and right. temperatures. Lowers temperatures, yep. and it reduces NOx in a major way because we're pulling nitrogen out of the system. So so there's a lot going on. Now, EGRs, Chris, what's the most common th way you hear people describe an EGR? What does an EGR do? Uh, it uh, directs black shit into my motor. Why is there black shit coming out of your exhaust if your truck is running and tuned properly? Right. Always my first question. Uh, number two, the size and, and function of EGRs have dramatically changed. Now, Power Strokes specifically run two cooling systems. Right. Okay, and the 11 to 14 models, they run a, a high circuit and a low circuit. I believe, I, I'm sorry, that might be high temp and low temp cooling circuits. Okay, the high temp circuit in 11 to 14 is just for the engine mm -hmm. and everything else, your fuel, your uh, EGR, your charge air cooler, transmission cooler, all of that was running off the low the low circuit. Uh, I'm sorry, the low temp circuit. In 15, the EGR cooler was moved over to the high temperature cooling circuit. Um, and this is due in part to their SCR system being improved over time. So they improved the way that AdBlue interacted with a truck, the mm -hmm. SCR system as a, as a whole. They improved that. And then they were able to improve the efficiency of cooling the EGR. One of the big things that we run into with a diesel is battling heat. Yep. All the way through the system, from the from bumper to bumper, yep. we are constantly trying to get rid of heat. And what this this very this very advanced EGR system does is a large part of it is it cools that gas, that exhaust gas, so that it can pump it back into your your truck. Um, man, it, it it feels complicated to try to talk about it, but when you can see these things working, I, I think that's that's when some guys get a handle on it. Guys, if you're looking for some great info, great infographics to actually see this stuff, jump on over to Power Stroke Hub. That's where we pulled a lot of the resources for today's episode. Yeah, no, uh, I learned a lot from that. You know, uh, Paul sent me over the show notes, you know, on this today. So I went on there and uh, surfed around a little bit. You know, you can never be too on top of this stuff. For us dealing with it on a daily basis and then going and reading this type of stuff, it's just completely insane. Yeah, yeah. This there's there's been so much learning uh, since 2000. 
2013 when this stuff really I mean I know they came out in like 2011 is when they were like really in full swing yep. uh, 2013 is when I personally really started to get involved and started paying attention of like what is going on what the hell is this what's the difference and I think we run into a lot of a lot of times we're, we're taking that extra time to read about the system instead of just immediately saying it's garbage delete it uh, has given us an opportunity to have a much wider understanding of of all of how this engineering goes into building a diesel engine, right? right? Uh, there's things like the difference between passive, active, and static regens. Right. Most guys don't know there's three different modes of regen <laughs> for their truck, right? Let's touch on that a little bit. What's uh, What would be the passive regen? What What is that scenario, Paul? <sighs> Most commonly, you're going to find this when you're towing heavy okay. or when you're you're you, you have the truck loaded down and you're you're on the highway for long periods of time. That's most commonly where we're going to see passive regen. So in other words, what's going to happen is your truck's going to build heat naturally within the exhaust. So if you're loaded down, you're going to run at a higher temperature. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be really good because if you're accumulating soot at a reasonable rate, the trap is going to get near full, not all the way full, so that it triggers a functional active regen where now the truck has to dose extra fuel. It's just going to naturally start to fill, and as it gets close to full, the load you're putting the truck under is going to be a high enough temperature to burn that soot off yep. without you doing anything, without the truck doing anything. Right. It's a naturally occurring event. Yeah, sure, we'll call it a naturally occurring event within the system. Yep. Uh, as opposed to, like I said, an active regen, that would be more somebody like me. Uh, my vehicle goes through right. only active regens because I never you tow. Drive. Yeah, well, and you uh, also and don't I, drive long distance. Right, you I short stop trip it. So in an active regen scenario, is that's when when the the vehicle's actually dosing extra fuel right. to cause that regen because to, the DPF to got heat. to a certain cert lo- uh, soot load to where it's triggered to okay, we can't let it go past this. We're going to dose fuel. We're going to heat the catalyst. We're going to get everything burned out. You got it. You got it. And then a static regen is is when you're. Your shit's broke. <laughs> it's and then, static regen yeah. or stationary regens when when your truck is parked, Ford, guys. And we we uh, we flip the switch. And actually, in the newer Fords, you can do this on your own through, yeah. through the driver information uh, center, I have which is been, crazy. I have been around uh, trucks in in past years where they'll do an active regen or uh, yeah, the, a forced regen. Uh, uh, sorry. Yeah. And it is this crazy sound of a truck standing still under load at 2,300, 2,400 RPM, cranking, man, cranking. Like you expect not not in a cool way, not not like in the parking lot at high school, revving it up so everyone knows you're a badass. And I think you know it. Someone would think like, oh, okay, it's just the engine revving. Well, it's doing that for 20 minutes to a half hour at a time while it's pouring white. While it's pouring white because of the heat and. Think about think about what kind of damage and heat that's causing to the turbocharger, the cooling system, uh, your bearings, your oil. Think there's of no all air of these. going no, over. No, there's it. no air. The truck is standing still. So, so in your in your truck, in a very general sense, everything is cooled either by forced air or cooling, like yep. liquid cooling. Liquid cooling's much more effective. However, um, as soon as you remove all of that air, <laughs> your it, it, it feels terrible. I will just say that. Like, if you jump online and watch a video of this, it feels like somebody's ruining their truck. Like, if I had to do a forest regen on my truck in, in any scenario, I, I would not. Like, I'm just, my standpoint, I will never do it. Sometimes that. you have to. Sometimes it's a part of the diagnostic process. Yeah, like, I, I'll, I'll sell the vehicle. Anyway, so <laughs> hear me out. It's one of those things where you feel like it takes 10,000 miles of life off the motor. Yeah. Like, it, it's a That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to avoid that at all costs. Uh, Some of the things you can do to keep your emission system happy. Don't let the truck idle for more than 10 minutes. I know that's hard in the winter. We're here in northern Illinois. I hate cold weather. I like my my heated seats to be all the way heated. Um, 
I still don't let my car idle for more than 30 minutes, and that's because I break my own rules. Uh, but I really recommend and suggest don't let your vehicle idle for more than more than 10 minutes yeah. at a time. And keep up with maintenance, man. Oil I mean, changes. Oil changes. Fuel, fuel filter yeah. changes. These are, these are dumb, filter. easy. Air I mean, filter. If you have a clogged fuel filter, throw a couple scenarios. Sure. You have a clogged fuel filter. The truck isn't able to keep up with you know the fuel pressure. Therefore, it's not atomizing fuel properly. Therefore, a dirtier burn's taking place. Hey, Chris, on an LB7 with no emissions, when we have low rail pressure, what do we see at the tailpipe? Tons of smoke. Wow. I wonder if that's the same when we get into newer trucks that have emissions equipment. Let's talk about an older truck again. What do you do when you have a dirty air filter that's caked to shit? What happens out the back oh, end man, of the Oh, man, I get a lot of smoke in the yeah. back, and, and I don't have a lot of yeah. power. I wonder what happens when I put a filter on my yeah. tailpipe. Or let's throw another scenario out there. I have 50,000 miles on my 2016 6.7 Power Stroke. It's regening constantly, and I'm going through a ton of fuel. I don't know what's going on. Well, when was the last time your fuel filter was replaced? When was the last time your air filter was replaced? Well, I don't know. Boom, start there. That that That's where you start. Anytime you have these types of issues, these are the type of things that I try to help assist guys in. Yeah. Make sure that the little things like this are already squared away and taken care of before we get into further diagnostics. Just think about that stuff moving forward. Absolutely. Guys, hey, we're excited. There's all sorts of things going on in the industry. Uh, events are starting to ramp up. Anybody else catch KJ Jones posting? We're going to have voting soon yeah, it's for Diesel up. Power saw Challenge. That, saw that post earlier today. Excited to you know, be a part of that you know, and, and kind of you know, see how that all unfolds with uh, you know the No More magazine for right. filling out ballots. Um, following up, you know we have UCC. You know we have UCC twenty twenty coming up. Does it feel so close? Does yeah. it feel so close to anybody else? I'm looking at, at well, Chris and Justin right now, and like May, I can feel the yeah, tension. It's, it's four months away right now, <gasps> and I mean it just feels like it was yesterday that it was Christmas. So the month of January has already gone by so fast. This is the thirty first. This is the last day of January. So like, yeah, you know, to consider four more months, it's gonna go by in the blink of an eye. So we have a lot of planning to do on that. That's gonna yeah, be, we should do that. That's gonna be so much fun. We should yeah. get ready for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And all the other you know ODSS stuff. I mean, there's just there's so many different things going on in the industry. Start, you know, once weather breaks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, uh, for today, I think that's going to wrap it up. I do want to give a final shout out. Everybody who's been on Fans of Diesel Performance Podcast Facebook group, I love it. I appreciate it. Thank you. Please keep posting. Please keep coming back. Shoot me a message or a comment if we can help you out with anything yeah. for today. This has been Paul Wilson. And Chris Emke. Thanks for listening. Gold sparkle flake. Stuff. Exactly. Fuck you. I mean, there'll be some more flake in that thing. It's just going to be. <laughs> <laughs>